lays his life down for the people of God. Um, there's nothing he would not do if you ask him. And even behind the scenes, things that he shouldn't be doing that he often ends up doing. And besides just eldering and, and worship and, you know, leading. So I really want to honor you, man. It's just like you're a gift to us. And uh, I know Morris and Jules have had a busy year with the kids. And um, they're looking forward to a good holiday in December. And I, yeah, man, it's going to be refreshing for you. Um, just want, I just wanted just to say that. So that's just a, a freebie. So, yeah, so this morning what I want to do is we're going to finish, we're going to carry on in 2 Timothy. Uh, we've been doing the series of 2 Timothy. Have you enjoyed it so far? Has it been helpful? It's been really good for us as a church, just going through and preaching through the book of 2 Timothy, hasn't it? It's been a wonderful, for me anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I know I've been doing the one, most of the preaching, but also forcing me to get back into digging into these scriptures and looking and see what God is saying to us today um, through the Bible, through scripture is so important for us. And as you know, most of you know that the theme of what we've been doing has really been focusing on discipleship. And what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we've looked at lots of different aspects. Um, I think we've done five preachers. This is the sixth one. And um, we've looked at different aspects of what it means to be a disciple. And obviously for us, our calling in the Lord is to be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples. That you find that in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a spectator. There's no such thing as someone who sits to get entertained, who sits in their seat and who never gives. That is foreign in the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is a people that everyone, it's like a body, every single part is doing its bit. And, and so we've been looking through different aspects of what it means to be a disciple and um, looking at some hard scriptures. But what I want to do is I want to focus in this morning on being a disciple who loves the Bible. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 to 17. And I appreciate the word that came out, uh, the, some of the prophetic words and the words of encouragement. I appreciate Henry's word saying that he felt that this morning is going to be all about Jesus. And I want to say, yes, it is. But, you know, Jesus and the Word of God, or Jesus and the Scriptures, are not either or. As you'll see, they're both and. And when you get into the Bible, you actually get into Jesus. That as you begin to know your Bible, you get to know God better. Because ultimately, we're not trying to read the Bible so that we can get more information and that you can show how clever you are. We read the Bible so that we can get to know the author of the Bible, that we can get to know Christ. And so even though I'm speaking about how to love your Bible... I'm really speaking about how to love Jesus more and how Jesus can be glorified in who he is. So there's always overlap with that. And um, so I'd like us to read five verses. Um, and this probably will be the last preach on Timothy because next Sunday we're having a nativity scene with the kids. And then we're doing a family fun day after that. And on the 13th, it's, it's kind of holidays already, but um, most likely this morning is the last in our series. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's turn. If you've got a Bible, you can open it. Otherwise, we'll look on the board. And 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What? <laughs> I don't know if, it is a promise, but I don't know if you want to amen it. Um, we don't look for suffering, by the way. Okay, so we're not... We're not sadists, um, but it does come away, and when it is, we say we are blessed. But I, I know that's a zealous TMT student speaking. Amen with you. What, 
Okay, so while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right, so that's a portion we're going to look at this morning. And um, I want to start off by saying, you know, it's speaking about Scripture here. It's speaking about the Word of God, about the Bible. And as we know for you, I hope this is true for you. I don't know where, you know, we all are at. But if you're a follower of Jesus here and you're a committed follower of Christ, that we know that the Bible is not just another book. It is the book. It is the good book. It's not just like a Shakespeare. It is the book that is above all books because it has been inspired by God. Um, interesting, and I just want to share a story with you on that. And as I do, I just want to say, you know, that the Bible has been translated into over 700 languages. What other book has been translated into that? Not only that, but the New Testament itself has been translated into an additional 1,548 translations of different languages, not translations, of languages. In other words, that this book, this has changed the history of the world. This is no ordinary book. And, um, you know, one of my favorite stories is of a, um, this is a true story, but I want to read it to you because I, I love this story. It's a story of a group of sailors that in 19, uh, 1787, so this is over 200 years ago, they were sailing um, in the Pacific Ocean, and a group of sailors decided to mutineer the boat that they were on because the captain was a vicious man. He was a man who oppressed his, his um, I want to say staff, his, his workers, and they had had enough finally. And they were in the Pacific, this beautiful part of the ocean, and they decided to, um, like mutineer is the English word, they decided to rebel, and they tied the captain up, they put him in a little boat and they pushed him off, and then they killed the rest of the officers. And the rest of them, what they did is they took the ship. They actually made a movie of it many years ago called, it's called The Mutiny on the Bounty. The ship was called The Bounty. Very famous English sip. Ship. Not sip. Okay. Fellowship. Okay. The only ship we need, fellowship. And two fellows, yeah. And so this ship, they mutineered the ship. And they sailed it into Tahiti. Um, in those days, was it Tahiti? No, it was close to Tahiti. It was a little island close to Tahiti. They sailed it in there, and they began to live off the land. And they thought, finally, we are free from oppression, and we are going to now liberate ourselves. And they began to live as they wanted on this island. And they formed a community. There were about 30 um, sailors and they found local women on the island that they just kind of slept with. They made local alcohol. They made a local brew that they, they started to drink. And these people became, basically, they, they were alcoholics, drunkards. They became violent men. And eventually, after a number of years, the women that they had married in the local community, the local South Pacific women, they barricaded themselves off from the men, um, and by this stage, the men um, had gotten venereal diseases, and they'd begin to die off slowly, one after the other. 
and there was a very confused, broken, fearful community that was left, ravaged by sin, ravaged by alcoholism. Just, it was just a, a terrible, terrible place. And I want to read kind of, it was called Pitcairn Island. That was the place. It's a true story. Um, and let me read um, what happened here. It says, some of the men went mad and became like animals. They fought among themselves. One jumped off a cliff. After several years, there were only two men that were left, Edward Young and Alexander Smith. Young was old, ill, and asthmatic. And one night, the women seized the guns, barricaded themselves, and their 18 children, quite a lot, or from the men. Neither the women nor the children would go near the two men. But one day, Edward Young went to the ship's chest, and at the bottom, among the papers, he found a book. And it was a leather-bound old Bible, worm-eaten Bible. Now, he had not read for years, and Smith could not read at all. So Young taught himself to read, and the two men, frightened, disillusioned, and utter wrecks, began to read the Bible. And they started at Genesis, and they saw that the Old Testament, that from the Old Testament, that God was holy, and they saw that they were sinful, from, the, from Genesis, and they began to pray. Now, the little children were the first to come back to the men, and they began to notice a change in the men. Then the children brought the women, and they sat down and listened to them read. During this time, Edward Young, Edward Young died, and then Smith came to the New Testament, and as he read the New Testament, something important happened to him, as he read the story of Jesus in the Bible. He says this, this is from his journals. I had been working like a mole for years, he said, and suddenly it was as if the doors flew wide open and I saw the lights and I met God in Jesus Christ and the burden of my sin rolled away and I found new life in Christ. So he read and he, he came to this place where he had an utter conversion gets radically saved, he recognizes that he's a sinner, and he sees the Savior as he's reading through the pages of the New Testament. Let's carry on. Eighteen years after the mutiny, this is now eight years after this, this took place, um, a ship from Boston came across this little island called Pitcairn, and the captain went ashore, and he found a community of people there, same group, but he found a people who were godly. They had a love and a peace about them that he had never seen before. And when the captain got back to the United States, he reported that in all his travels, he had never met a group of people that were so gracious and so loving. They had been changed by the message of the Bible. And they had been changed by the God of the Bible. Now, friends, if the Bible was not the Word of God, these kinds of stories would not happen today. We would not hear of them, that as we read through the Bible, and I want to say to you here, I want to address a group of people that if you're here as a seeker, and you know that you're kind of looking into Christianity, or kind of you, you've got big questions about the faith, I want to say that what we can offer you is, we can't offer you a better life. God will never do that. But God will say to you, if you recognize that you're a sinner, like Smith did, and he saw that he was in need, and he was before a holy God, and that if he was going to die... He would have died in his sins and have gone to eternal punishment away from Christ. 
But as he comes to the New Testament, he realizes that although he's a sinner and he's dirty and he's corrupted, I mean, we're all like that. Outside of Jesus, we've all broken his law. But as he saw that he was a sinner, he realized he was in need of a savior and he looked to Christ and Christ could save him. And so, you know, the beautiful thing, and even as we sang this morning, is that what it means to be a believer is not to have your life improved. We're not going to give you life improvement. We're going to say, you've got an old life and that life is dead. That you come to Christ, you give up your old life, and you turn to Christ, and you receive a new life in Him. A life that is being born again, where you find your identity in Jesus, in the person of Jesus. And so this is what happened to this guy, and this family, and this community. And so I want us to look at the scripture. Is it why is the Bible so powerful? Why is it so life-changing? And I know some of you here can testify to that. That you said, but you've been changed by the message of the Word of God. Um, why is it so powerful? What makes it so different from all the other books? And here I want us to look at verse 16, okay? And in verse 16, it says here in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says this little phrase. And remember, he's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, but as for you, you must continue. Don't get deceived. Don't allow yourself to believe everything that is out there. Timothy, you must hold on to the scriptures, and then he says this, that all scripture, and he uses this little phrase, it breathed out, <sighs> breathed out by God. What does that mean? And what that means basically is saying that scripture comes, its origin comes from God, it comes from the very mouth of God. It's as if God would take his word, and when people were writing down the scriptures and the letters, it was as if God was over them by the Holy Spirit, breathing into their minds, giving them the thoughts and the words that they needed to hear, and they wrote down the very words that needed to be said, the words of God, okay? And so there's this cool scripture in Matthew 4 verse 4, where Jesus has the same idea that scripture is breathed out by the mouth of God, and he says this in Matthew 4 4, and what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is actually quoting from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, and he says in Matthew 4 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, the mouth. So you get this idea that Scripture comes from the very mouth of God, as if He speaks it into people, people wrote it down, and today you and I have got Scripture because God breathed it out, in a sense, into the author's who wrote it. That's why the Bible is so powerful. The Bible is powerful because it comes from God. The origin is from God. Now, there's two things that I want to give you of certain things that, that Scripture seems to say, that the Scripture says that will happen to you when you study and give yourself in and read the Word of God. There's two things that I want to say will happen to you. Number one, verse 15. Firstly, that the Bible can make you wise, okay? The Bible can make you wise. And verse 15 says, The sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And this key here, it says that you can be wise. How many of you want wisdom? I know I do. You know? And wisdom is the ability to make the right choices. Um, and how many of you know that we all make stupid decisions and choices? Like, ah, oh, that was a dumb choice. That we, you know? And we sometimes go through life where we make bad choices. But biblical wisdom is this ability to make godly choices and have godly insights. And he says that if you want wisdom, you're going to find it in the Scriptures. But there's a little 
there's a little um, kind of a, a thing here that I want to bring out. It will only make you wise if you have faith in Jesus Christ. So it says here, it's wise through having faith. Where is it? Here, verse 15, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. In other words, when I read the Bible, and if I want wisdom, I only find it when I'm believing and I'm fellowshipping with Jesus at the same time. I'm not coming to the Bible and like, ooh, let me go find some wisdom right now, and I'm going to find some cool things to, to, you know, to, to believe, and so I can make some good decisions for my life. The Bible is not like that. We read the Bible in relationship with the Lord. We read the Bible because we have faith in Him, and as we have faith and we say, Jesus, I come to you, and I believe and I want to get to know you better, Lord, in your word. And as you do that, he gives you wisdom for salvation, right? And he begins to unpack to you and saying, my son, my daughter, this is how I want you to walk. As you're in relationship, it's, it's as if Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is your Bible guide. And, you know, you don't, you don't always need a Bible, a book to help you read the Bible. You need Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And if you come like that, it's as if he takes you by the hand and he says, come, I'm going to make you wise. I'm going to lead you. And he leads you into wisdom. So that's the first thing that Scripture seems to say, right? The second thing is that there's kind of a benefit when you read the Bible. Is the Secondly, it can train you. Okay, how many of you want to be trained in the Lord? We'll see what that means now, okay? Trained in, you want to be equipped. You want to grow. You want to, um, and it says this, that the, that the Word of God is profitable. Profitable means this is going to benefit you. This will help you. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So it'll train you to live a righteous life, to live in a certain way, to become a certain kind of person that will honor God. How many of you want that? I, I want that. It's like, oh God, I want to become a certain kind of person that one day when I die, I want to leave a legacy you know, maybe on my tombstone, I want to have it not like he lived, he died. He left a family, a wife, a devoted wife, you know, three children, you know, many friends, you know. He lived a good life. I don't want that on my tombstone. On my tombstone, I want something like he walked with God, you know. This was a godly man. And that there's a legacy, not perfect, but a legacy of like godliness and character. And that's what it says. The word of God can train you in righteousness so that the man of God, and I'll say, well, the woman of God, just using man in this example, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And this is idea actually of the Bible. How does it train us? It trains us that as we come to scripture through faith in Jesus, as we come to the word of God, it trains you like a coach would train you. Now, some of you have been through coaching, some of you have competed in like elite sport where you've had a coach that has driven you and has pushed you and has encouraged you. I know there would be some of you here that you've had that kind of coach in your life or what's the Afrikaans word? Africhter. Okay? Who feel van jylle het africhters? Okay? Back in the day, you would have had a, a africhter. Okay? A coach. Now, the Bible, in a sense, is like that. The Bible is our coach. Um, one of the things that, is, that, that we are paying for for Daniel, Dan is going to a tennis coach at the moment to, to sharpen his game, um, to make him even better than he is. He's already really good, but it's even better, okay? Um, so we've got this tennis coach, and this guy, he's an old Um in town. Some of you know him, Um Kubis, okay? Um Kubis is a tennis coach, and he coaches hundreds of, 
of kids through the years. And Kubis, I've been watching the way that he coaches my son, and I want to say, this guy is a good coach. What he does is he, he, he'll encourage him. He'll like grip him. Daniel, let me, t- let me tell you. And he'll begin to tell him, like, this is how you're going to, you know, play these kind of shots. Daniel! And he'll, he'll kind of, and he'll really get their attention. Um, he, he gives him strategy, but he corrects him as well. He'll sometimes say, no, no, that's wrong. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And he corrects him. He doesn't just encourage him. And away, the, the coach is watching him, and the coach is looking at what he is doing and, and guiding him along the way. And, you know, in a sense, when you come to Scripture with the Lord Jesus and with the help of the Holy Spirit, if you open yourself up, that's what God will do. God will take the Word of God, and he'll use it like Kubis, um Kubis, say, you know, do it. Like, and he'll, he'll, he'll kind of correct you, and he'll, he'll tune you. So don't just look for teaching out of the Bible. Don't just look for encouragement out of the Bible. Hopefully, you're looking for correction, because that's how we grow. You're looking for rebuke and conviction, because that's what the coach does. He's going to push you and drive you to become better than you are. And you know, I think sometimes we have to be careful that when we come to Scripture, we can come to Scripture with almost a, a thing of like, well, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to, like, almost I'm sitting above the Scriptures and I'm looking down on it. But almost, when we come to the Bible, we have to let the Bible read us. It's as almost we've got to let the Word, it's like a sword, cut you. You mustn't say, well, what can the Bible teach me? And we can come with a bit of an arrogant attitude or even a lazy attitude. When you believe that the Bible is going to train you, that means the Word will train you. Do you see? It's like that the, very, the Spirit will take those things and He'll use it to train you, shape your thinking, to say, that's wrong. You've been thinking like this. That's wrong. Well, this is right, you know, and the Lord will teach you by His anointing through the Word of God. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't the Word of God amazing? And so how do we become like Jesus? By going back to the Word of God. Um, And so there are two action points that I want to leave with you this morning. As we go into December, um, because December, yeah, anyway, it's two things that I want to leave with you this morning. All right. Um, Number one, and so I'm going to ask you, we're going to hold you to account on these things, and I mean this, we're going to, if you're a comm leader, hold, hold your communities to account. If you're a, a saint, ask someone to hold you to account to these things, all right? Uh, leaders to one another. Number one, decide to read the Bible in a disciplined way. That's the first thing. Decide to read the Bible in a disciplined way. Why do you say that? Because it says that the Word of God is training us for righteousness. So what does it do? It's inferring discipline and effort. And this is something that the devil will do to you, and he'll lie to you sometimes, is he'll whisper something in your ear to say something like, you know, Mike, you should only read the Bible when you feel like it. When you are feeling spiritual, that's when you can open up your Bible. That is the biggest lie from the enemy. I find that inspiration comes after I tell my body and my mind, read the Bible. And so there's a discipline aspect where you have to sit down and make time, regular time. And even if you feel like I'm getting nothing from this, I'm doing all the right things, I'm loving the Lord, and, but it's all meaningless to me. I might as well go read something else because it feels like it's so hard. Don't give up. If you're undergoing training, you don't just stop because it's difficult. You read it and you decide to read it. 
And, you know, there have been, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of prophetic words that came out over um, the last month or two, um, and even over the last two weeks, there's been some words that have been highlighted to us as elders. The one word has got to deal with apathy and lethargy as we come towards the end of the year, that there's kind of a, I'm tired. I just feel like, I just want to, you know, I'll I'll go to church on Sunday, but in the week I'll just, I'm not going to fight the good fight. And we kind of give up, or we feel like we just don't want to fight against sin, and we don't want to, you know, push through in the Lord. And I want to say, friends, there's a private battle that I know some of you are facing with this, where you are are maybe facing deep discouragement, or you're facing, uh, it's hard for you for various reasons to even do basic things like praying or reading your Bible. And I'll say, if that is you, please don't give up. It's never easy. I don't know anyone that ever prays or reads their Bible because it's always easy or you always feel like it. You do it because God has commanded us. And as we do, he'll help us along the way in those things. And I want to say to you, please, would you decide to read your Bible in a disciplined way? So I want to give you an illustration with this. Um, I did share this last week, but I want, to, I want to read the scripture to you, Proverbs 2, 3 to 5. And here in Proverbs 2, 3 to 5, it's, using, um, it's speaking about wisdom um, that's what the whole proverb speaks about, an understanding. It's speaking here about someone crying out for wisdom and understanding, and you're saying, but I want this, I, I want to walk in it. Now, interesting here, it doesn't say that if you sit quietly, passively, you know, next to your pool and sipping pina colada and, you know, like eating grapes and you just kind of, you know, that automatically revelation and wisdom will somehow fall out of heaven and it'll come to you. Wisdom does not come to us like that. This truth does not come to us like that. We are not those that sometimes it does, okay, by the grace of God, it does actually. It does just fall out, of, fall out of the sky. But often it comes out of the ground as you are like a treasure hunter that's digging, digging, digging for treasure. And somehow, and at some point, you strike gold. And look what it says here. It says, if you call out for insight and you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it and you search for it, as for hidden treasure. And in some ways, although the Bible doesn't carry hidden truth, I'm not saying that, but sometimes it might feel like it's hidden to you. And I would say, just keep searching and seeking and digging and, and knocking and, 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 and you will, and the Lord will be faithful to, to lead you and to put you in a discipline to love his word and to reveal himself to you in the course of the word. Amen? So that's, that's, the first, that's the first action point. Decide to read it in a disciplined way. How do I do it in my own life? Um, when I want to meet with Jesus and pray, I would generally have a morning time for me. Every morning, I get up early and I would spend time praying and reading my Bible. Generally, that's what I would do. Not every, I don't get it right every day. Sometimes I'll read scriptures later, but I'll have a time, a set time, where I know I can read my Bible and allow myself to be trained and and adjust. And when I read it, I read it in order to obey it, not in order to just kind of just listen to it or watch it. That's the first thing. Secondly, and I want to end here, decide to read the Bible together. Um, And I want to ask you to ask one another to say things like this. What are you reading at the moment? What, What are you reading in the Bible at the moment? Are you reading Scripture? And I want to ask you to hold one another to account to read it together. You know, in the early church, they never had Bibles. So if you went to church in, let's say you lived in um, Rome and you're like a Roman Christian, 
you know, Adelphos, you know, uh, you say to your brother, or, you know, Theos, Hagios, you know, you use all those Greek words, and you come together, and, and there they came to sing to the Lord and, and fellowship. They didn't come with Bibles like we do. They didn't have the Word of God. The Word of God was given to a few, and so they had to read the Bible in publicly, and then they had to discuss the Word of God. But they didn't have their own Bibles. If they wanted the Word of God, they actually had to come together to read the Word of God. And so I want to say, let's keep that. Read it together. Ask one another, what are you reading in the Bible at the moment? What are you learning? What is God saying to you? Um, and those things can spur us on to one another. The worst thing is when you're going, uh, yes, what have I been reading in the Bible? Phew, I can't remember. For the last, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I better get my act together because someone's going to ask me. That's not a bad thing to do. All right. So I'm going to close there this morning, and I'd love to pray for you. Um, remember, the aim of this is not to entertain you. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to help equip you and to give you Christ, to, for us to grow in Him and love Him. And as we come into the holidays, would you be someone that doesn't put down your sword? Um, use these things in the Word of God. It's given to you, friends, in the Word to, to, to stand and, and, and to grow in Him. So let, let's pray together. Come. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord, we, we want to just say we love you, Lord. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures that are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't given us the Bible as a rule book. You've given us the Bible, in a sense, as a, as a love letter. And that as we read it in, while we love you, Lord, we read it in relationship with you. You're able to come and to guide us and lead us. Lord, we're not reading it just because it's duty. We read it because it's our delight. And because we know that as we read in the pages of the Bible, we meet the Savior there. We meet Christ. We meet the Father. We meet the Spirit. Come, Lord, this morning. And I want to pray for two groups of people this morning. The first group I want to pray for is that um, earlier I shared that story with you about these two men that started reading the Bible and how the one man ended up, they realized that they were sinners and they realized that they were dirty and they needed to be forgiven. And as they read the New Testament, they saw that there was a promise that God gave that they could have their sins forgiven in Jesus. And if you are here today and you know that you are there this morning, that you need to have your sins forgiven and you have not yet surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ and you have not yet, in a sense, made that decision to leave your old life behind and to turn to the new life in Jesus. If you, if you are holding on to your old life and you haven't turned towards him fully, this morning the Lord wants to remind you saying he's given you a new life if you turn to him. In him. And is there anyone this morning that you want to repent of your sins and you want to come and give your life over to Jesus Christ? If that is you, I want to give an opportunity. Please would you just raise your hand if you have never done that or you've backslidden and you want to come back to Christ. Is there anyone this morning that you want to respond to Jesus? Anyone this morning? Just quickly slip up your hand if that is you. I'm not going to try and manipulate you. You're doing it because you're doing it to God. Okay, then I want to pray for a second group this morning. 
And this is actually for all of us. And um, where we want to ask the Lord to give us a fresh love for His Word. And to ask Him to empower us to obey His Word, even when it's really difficult. And friends, it's often difficult. But could we afresh just ask the Lord, Lord, come and give us a fresh love for the Scriptures, for the, the author of the Word and for the Word of God, the gift of the Word of God. And just where you are, could you just, just even open up your hands and say, Lord, come and stir up in me. Forgive me, Lord, where maybe I've become undisciplined. And I, I haven't actually allowed myself to be coached by the Lord. And I've, I've slacked off. Lord, this morning, I want to ask you, help me. Give me a fresh ability to, to dig like a treasure hunter for, 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 for the treasures of your word. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We ask you for this, Lord. We know that we can't do this in our own strength. Would you come and give us the ability and the grace and the strength. Lord, we want to be a community of people that when the world looks at us, almost like that man that when he came to the island and he said, but look, I've never seen a people that are so godly before, so gracious, that when people look at us, Lord, and when um, unbelievers come into our midst, when they come into our homes, when they um, spend time with us, that they would say, but we, you're so different. There must be something different about you. What is it about you? There's something of the love of God. And Lord, would you come and stir that in us? to be those kind of people in Jesus' name. Amen. So may you have a wonderful day further. We're going to end it there. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come to speak to me or one of the, the elders. I'm sure we'll be up, up front to pray for anything. We'd love to pray for you. If you also maybe didn't respond, please speak to me or one of us so we can, we can pray for you. So remember, there's going to be kids' church play happening, I think, at 11. Um, there's a nativity play for the parents. It's the practice. And then remember, next week, Sunday, come along. It's going to be 